bold vision, inspirational leadership, drive, determination, creativity. Welcome to Secrets of Staffing Success, a podcast where we talk to innovators and thought leaders in the staffing industry to discover the strategies and tactics that make these top performers stand out. And here are your hosts, the co-CEOs of Haley Marketing, Victoria Kenward and David Cerns. How do you go from the hospitality industry to staffing, to creating VMS software, to changing how an industry operates all within five years? For Jan Jelinski, it was a perfectly natural progression. Jan is the founder and CEO of Candidately, Gustav, and the World Staffing Organization. He's a technology entrepreneur with a bold vision, and he's looking to make a big impact on our industry. On today's episode of Secrets of Staffing Success, Jan comes to us live from Vienna, Austria. So pardon a couple of uh, technical glitches on the interwebs. And he shares the story of how he went from hospitality school to technology leader. If you're interested in finding new ways to differentiate your staffing firm in the next couple of years and want to hear an amazing story about marketing and how Jan created the World Staffing Summit, buckle up. You're really going to enjoy today's show. Secrets of Staffing Success is brought to you by Haley Marketing. In August of this year, 2021, Haley Marketing will celebrate our 25th birthday, a quarter of a century serving the staffing industry. And as part of our celebration, we're doing what we do best, giving away lots of ideas. As a thank you for listening to our podcast, we'd like to invite you to a very special event. On August 19th, we're having a day-long Smart Ideas Summit. We're bringing together many of the industry's top consultants to share their insights and advice. There'll be 14 sessions filled with amazing ideas to help you achieve new levels of success in the months and years to come. You can learn more about the event at haleymarketing.com forward slash 25, the number 25, bash. And if you happen to be listening to this podcast after August the 19th, you can access all the recordings for on-demand listening. Again, the URL is haleymarketing.com forward slash 25 bash. Vicki, this should be a fun episode today. I think this is our first real technology entrepreneur, um, maybe more than just a technology entrepreneur. Jan has CEO of Candidately, CEO co-founder World Staffing Organization, CEO co-founder Gustav, a venture partner in the Pioneer Fund, He's a graduate of Y Combinator. So we have got a tech guru on the line with us today. <laughs> I'm excited to geek out a little bit. That's always so much fun. But he's also in Vienna. So, you know, just like Amy's in Orlando, we had to talk about cookies. I have a soccer torque question, I'm sure. <laughs> <laughs> well, it is our pleasure to welcome you, Jan, to the show. Um, thank you for being our guest on Secrets of Staffing Success. Thank you so much, David. Thank you so much, Vicky. It's a pleasure to be here. So Vicky hit it. So as I, I went to LinkedIn, I'm reading your bio and I clicked the more education and up pops a word that I can't pronounce because I don't speak German, but then studied tourism and hospitality and became a professional chef. So, okay, we'll get to staffing. Yeah. Tell us about that. <laughs> Yeah, that's uh, yeah, that's something uh, on my LinkedIn that is very much on the bottom, and it was uh, was a while ago, but actually that's where uh, I started. So, so yeah, I spent like roughly ten years 
uh, in hospitality and tourism, uh, working as a, you know, as a waiter, as a chef all over the world. Um, and uh, yeah, in some parts of the world where I'm now sort of mostly doing my business, which is in the US. Uh, so I spent some time in Florida uh, in, in working in country clubs. I spent some time in Switzerland and obviously also uh, in Austria. So that's where my career started and also seg segued sort of into staffing. So I had a lot of um, you know, uh, touch points when I was working uh, in the tourism and hospitality industry with, with the staffing industry. Uh, and, and, and that's sort of, sort of uh, yeah, the, the direction took me. But yeah, originally a chef and, I, you know, as I'm from Austria, I love good wine and good food. That, I love Austria. And, so that's an interesting transition from chef to staffing. So can you, what, what happened? What intrigued you to move into sure. staffing? Yeah, sure. It's a, it, it's a fun story. Um, you know, I, I, I spent like five years in hospitality high school um, in Vienna, where we have, you know, learned everything from how to be a waiter and how to be a chef and obviously did the regular school stuff on the side. And um, my one of my teachers, uh, she was always helping us to get sidekicks, you know, all over the city and caterings and events and so on. And she was sort of running her own little staffing agency um sort of secretly and uh and that's what inspired me and my co-founder actually in the very early days to say hey hey how, how can we digitize the business of our teacher and basically find a way to place other students and our you know peers into similar jobs right so a very and back then we didn't know what staffing is so we only knew hey you know there is opportunities all over the city uh, there is uh, people that want to work uh, it's done pretty much manually. How can we maybe build an app or a technology or a website that will help people to find jobs? So, you know, we, we, we sort of, you know, segued from being in, in tourism and hospitality, working all of those jobs ourselves to figuring out, hey, how can we actually create um, a new company that will be, uh, you know, more modern staffing business uh, ultimately. And that's how our you know, journey in the staffing industry started actually very early in, in 2016 in Austria. Yeah. So is that where Gustav was born or was that yeah, a, so, a precursor to Gustav? Yeah, it was a precursor to Gustav. So we started as a staffing firm. We did it for roughly one and a half years. Um, so we've been working with different brands uh, all over the city here in Vienna um, with hospitality brands, but also with large firms like Uber or Sony, where we've been you know placing some short-term assignments with them uh so and we were always trying to figure out how can we build a better brand how can we build better technology for ourselves and ultimately in 2017 my first touch point with u.s staffing was the vmsa conference in phoenix um so uh janine uh invited me and i, I basically flew overnight for two nights to phoenix to learn about what is a vms solution what is an msp and learned uh you know, a couple, couple of familiar faces in this U.S. staffing industry over there. And uh, yeah, and basically then, you know, our journey started. We said, hey, let's stop doing on, or on the ground staffing in Vienna and let's build uh, technology. And we decided actually to start building a VMS product. Uh, that's the Gustav product that we have. Ultimately, we decided not to build a full enterprise uh, vendor management system and essentially decided to uh, sell that to staffing companies. And that became the journey of where we are today uh, with our new product candidately as well. And the last three years that we have spent in the U.S. staffing industry, essentially from you know the, the first touch point in, in, in Phoenix to, <laughs> to, to now. 
I love those pivots. That's absolutely incredible. Where did you, I mean, you, you mentioned that, you know, when you first looked at your teacher, you're thinking mm-hmm. about how could we find ways to do this better digitally? Were you a developer? Was your co-founder developer? Who was the engineer? Uh, so it was a friend of ours uh, and our uh, initial CTO and co-founder, Michael. Um, he, uh, his family actually runs a large um, bakery business. So he has been in touch with that industry as well. And he previously sold another company and he was the, the tech guy that actually joined the team uh, to help us build the initial initial technology that we had for ourselves. And then Daniel's co-founder, uh, Daniel's brother, sorry, uh, Benjamin joined uh, as well. And he's also more on the tech side. So the original co-founders, Daniel and I, we, we're not techie at all, but we said, hey, there is there is an opportunity and, and let, how, can, how can we make it work? Yeah. I really like your perspective of kind of looking at the industry outside in because you weren't an insider, but your first question was, how do we build a better mousetrap? How do we find a way to do things that the industry is doing inefficiently? So then you travel over to VMSA and you learn all about the world of the really big staffing companies and the really big buyers who are very sophisticated because at the time you had jumped in, people have been doing VMS for more than a decade, MSP for nearly that time. And you said... I can do this better. What did you see that was missing going wrong in the VMS world? So, um, you know, when we looked at the market uh, and, and, and the first touch point that we had with VMS was actually ourselves being in a, in a program in Austria. Uh, I think it was Uber or some other larger enterprise that um, I'm not sure what, which VMS they were using back then, but essentially what happens is the, the, the company send us, uh, I think, 50 page PDF manual with screenshots, how to submit a candidate into the VMS. And we were like, wow, that's, that cannot be state of the art, how, you know, large enterprises work with their suppliers, like, you know, their suppliers have to, you know, spend hours of figuring out how to actually, you know, work with those systems. And, 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 and that seemed for us very ineffective. So we actually very naively went into the, the market and said, Hey, we can actually build something better. And, 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 you know, tried to learn everything about the market. And actually our pitch was to build a new vendor management platform combined with a marketplace, which ultimately seemed more co- like turned out to be more complex and complicated and much more technology to build that we initially thought. Uh, and, uh, but yeah, the initial thought was, Hey, you know, the, the, the tech, the tech out there is, uh, not making things better and it's usually even making things more ineffective um it changed so there is you know other solutions now in the market and it gets better specifically in the vms msp side but uh, you know still a couple of years ago uh is, this was not the case and um yeah and that's 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 where we started and i think you know when you go into those things naively you you you, you sometimes uh you know end down a path that is really cool and, and, and works well, but sometimes you add, end at a dead end and you have to pivot. So uh, that's where we, we also ended up and, and had to figure out where, where next. Yeah. It doesn't seem like a bad path though. I mean, the, yeah, yeah. the VMS, um, that world, those are huge companies and to be an entrepreneur and try to, you know, David and Goliath, you're going to try to compete yeah. with Goliath here. That's, that's huge. So you did pivot and now you've got kind of a spinoff in candidly. Is that correct? Yeah. So yeah, correct. So, you know, we still have uh, a VMS product that we started uh, to sell to staffing companies. That's the Gustav product and it works. We have paying customers on that product and we have staffing companies that are happily using it, but the market for just staffing companies using a VMS is obviously very niche. So uh, we had a lot of conversations with our customers over the last year through, throughout COVID. And uh, when we organized the World Staffing Summit in, in early this year, 
we we saw an opportunity and saw a, a new way how I think staffing companies will work in the next couple of years. Uh, and that's basically two things. Uh, they will be much more digitized uh, and they have will have much, much better brands. When you look at the market today, the majority of staffing firms, unless they work with a VMS or MSP program and have to submit candidates into the VMS, would most likely just work uh, email-based uh, with their customers. So submitting candidates would be an attachment in an email and uh, getting in touch with the first customer or getting in touch with customers would be usually a request form on their website. So the, the buying process for the employers uh, is is pretty uh, pretty antiquated. Uh, you know, when you, when you compare the experience a buyer would have using new technologies like Upwork or Fiverr. So mm -hmm. I see a huge opportunity where staffing companies can actually transform their buyer process um, using new technology. And that's essentially where Candidately comes in. So we call Candidately the digital storefront for staffing and recruiting companies. And we want to help each staffing and recruiting company to create a very similar client experience like you would have with an Upwork or a Fiverr, uh, a digital buying experience to essentially, you know, enable a better client collaboration, but ultimately help to place candidates faster. You know, the, 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 the two use cases that we solve today, one is candidate presentation. So the, the product clearly helps with getting faster feedback uh, on submissions from your clients. Mm -hmm. uh, and the same product uh, is used also for, for what we call candidate marketing. So essentially using it as a way for redeploying candidates that you have coming off assignment or that you have interviewed but not placed and using that as building talent pipelines or digital talent pipelines for your existing or new customers. So that's a new product. It stems a little bit out of the VMS that we have built, some features and some parts of it, but um, it's a completely different direction. And this, uh, but it's still sort of, you know, obviously in, the, in, in, in that segment, when you look at the market on the left-hand side, you would have large VMS and, and MSP buyers, uh, a couple hundred billion dollars transacted every year, but you still have a couple hundred billion dollars every year in staffing that are pretty much manually uh, transacted over email. So that's where candidately uh, comes in and essentially helps the, the, the long tail part of the market uh, also transform digitally. Yeah. So Jan, you mentioned that um, you see this as a, as a digital transformation of how the staffing companies will interact with their clients. And I'm curious, will this be more like an an Uber where it's a self-service model, or will this more, be more like a digitally augmented recruiter who's improving the engagement they have with clients and with candidates and is still focused on relationship as opposed to disintermediating the relationship like a pure app does? Uh, you're right, David, that's the, the latter. So the, 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 I, I see it as a um, digital uh, empowered recruiter or talent curator. Uh, that's where I see the, the the future of the industry. Obviously, parts of the staffing industry, when you look at the uh, lower end in terms of the, the types of segments where you have light industrial jobs, where you maybe have high transactional jobs, where a lot of things can be automated. And you could call this a little bit the Uberization of staffing. But the higher you go up the value chain uh, in professional staffing, Uberized it becomes. Uh, so I see, you know, the technology that we are building today, empowering the, the, the staffing, like the recruiter or the account manager to do a better and faster job, but still uh, remain the, 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 the connection between the customer and the, and the client. And, 
you can nicely see this in other industries, actually. When you look at, for example, real estate, um, there's a cool example for a company called Compass. They, I think they just went, uh, they just IPO'd recently. But what they've done is they have turned the real estate broker into essentially a digital platform. And the processes that the brokers pretty much were doing manually in the past are now done completely through technology with the empowerment of the broker still in the middle. And if you're buying a, you know, a $500,000 or $600,000 apartment or house, you want that broker to talk to, to you know, blame somebody, to get you know, questions, to, to, to get advice. And the same is true for if you're hiring a, you know, a Java developer for the next uh, 18 months. Uh, you want to have that, uh, you know, that you know, uh, the, 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 the quality and the conversation with the the account manager or the staffing recruiter uh, still in the middle and where where candidately comes in is essentially empowering that person uh, to just have a much better user experience on the client uh, side. Yeah, That makes perfect sense because we don't want to replace that relationship because that's so valuable. And we've talked about that many yeah. times on this podcast, but this augments that, which is really great instead yeah. of trying to replace the people in that process. Correct. Yeah. Yeah. It reminds me of that, you know, the classic analogy that the industry uses, like, are we headed down the path of the travel agent or the real estate agent? And, you know, the travel agent was by and large at one point in time focused on low value ad transactions. I'll book your flight. I'll book your hotel. That fits very well into self-service, complete automation. Whereas the real estate agent, as you said, is, you know, I've got to go make sure that you're getting what you're paying for. I've got to make sure that finding the house that's the right fit for you. I've got to go do all the research because even if you can get into the MLS and look yourself, it's a lot of work. And I think you're exactly right uh, that for staffing, most buyers are not ready to flip over to the, well, if I've got someone who's got the skills, that's enough. Now that, that happens in some segments, you know, hospitality, we've seen it. If, you've, if you're a caterer, yeah. you're a bartender and, and you've got experience there and maybe you had some good ratings, well, then I don't need a recruiter. Um, we're seeing it in some per diem nursing, some companies doing really well there. If you're, if you're credentialed in these areas and I need somebody next shift, great, I can use an app. But even in, you, know, you mentioned light industrial, I think even light industrial, if this, the job's going to require training, it requires reliable talent, that vetting, that knowledge of the, the candidate base that the recruiter can provide, I think does add a lot of value. And I love the focus you have of enhancing the recruiter's performance rather than replacing their performance. Yeah, and and I think you know when you look at when you look at the market, and you said it correctly. When, when you look at the 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 jobs that are where there is tasks that are repeatable, you know, and when you look at a catering, maybe right, or when you look at a nurse, when you when you can categorize that, and you would always have the same task, and there is no um, opinion of somebody else involved or needed, then you could categorize that as sort of the Uberization of staffing, where you can maybe book a nurse or book the same, uh, you know, uh, waiter for a catering. And we had that in Vienna as well. We categorized, you know, very in the very early days the workers, and we said, hey, you know, can you can carry a tray, you can uh, serve wine. Okay, you check the boxes. You know, you've done so and so many shifts. We can next time, without even you know needing to talk to you, send you to a specific job pretty automated. But if you, as you mentioned, like if you are hiring somebody that is um, going to take over a team or do a specific task that requires uh, a specific education or specific knowledge, you know, when you need somebody's opinion on it, then it really gets really hard to, to, to Uberize this type of stuff. So uh, I, I see, you know, much more uh, the, the staffing industry is moving 
towards like the, the trajectory that the real estate industry had over the last five to 10 years. And I think that's where staffing will be moving in the next five to 10 years. Excellent. We're gonna we're gonna come back to candidately in, in a little bit, but I want I want to pivot a little bit because not everybody listening may not know what you did last year. So okay. I like I've been a marketer a long, long time, and I've seen a lot of companies do different things, and it's pretty rare where I just sit back and say, "Wow, um, I'm I'm blown away. This was so clever." Tell us about the World Staffing Organization, the World Staffing Summit, what that's all about, how you put that together, because you did an unbelievable job. Thank you. We are really excited about that. Um, you know, this came together pretty much throughout COVID. Um, one of my investors called me up one day and said, hey, Jan, uh, everybody's sitting at home. Everybody's bored. Everybody's lonely. Now is the time to put up a conference. And I was skeptical at first, but then he told me stories of other portfolio companies that did it really well. Um, so we looked at some playbooks that others did, and we basically tried to put up a really good conference with the focus on creating really good content for the industry. That was the main, uh, the, the main driver. Who can we bring in? Which speakers can we bring that can actually teach valuable lessons and create really good content that others that are now maybe struggling with their business or maybe thinking, where are they moving next year, specifically after COVID, uh, can learn something from. So this was the, the, the main purpose. And that's how the World Staffing Summit came about uh, with, this, with this idea. And, um, and the, the cool thing is that, and that's really props to one of my employees, Jacob, um, he did a fantastic job. So he, he basically single-handedly single without any knowledge of the staffing industry uh, put together this great conference. So um, yeah, he, 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 he was fantastic. So that's, that's how, you know, the, the conference came together and we obviously used a lot of, um, you know, growth tactics to, uh, to get to a certain audience, to promote the conference and to, you know, create some buzz around it, uh, which I think worked really well. Yeah. So, so just for, per, for everybody's perspective, I'm sure a lot of people saw it on LinkedIn. How many people did you end up getting who, signed up for, engaged with the conference? What were, your, what were some of your, your metrics you achieved? So we had over 12,000 people that attend, like, attended the LinkedIn event. So we drove the, the, um, uh, the entire promotion over LinkedIn, obviously the staffing industry and recruiting industry, the majority of our uh, you know, audience is on LinkedIn all day, almost, right? So uh, the, the cool thing is that LinkedIn events worked really well for that. You invite people to the event and then this pushes out notifications for people to remind or invite their peers. Uh, that was the majority uh, of, of the traffic that we received. Uh, and then obviously um, we had, uh, I think, two and a half thousand people that attended on that day, a little bit over 5,000, I think, uh, actually registered. Um, uh, but we had a attendance of over two and a half thousand people and the, the, the average attendee time was over seven hours. So people were really engaged on the conference. I think over 6,000 individual meetings happened. Uh, so people were really looking to, you know, engage with each other. And we used this tool called Hopin, which enabled us to, to do those one-on-one -on -one meetings and, and breakout rooms. So people were just, you know, like, even after the conference ended a couple hours, I, I still saw like when I went into the conference tool that a couple hundred people were just chatting with each other and speaking and, and, and doing connections. Uh, so that was really, really cool to see. And, um, and I think 
what 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 triggered everything obviously was i think the timing as well right you know it was still a time where people were at home uh, and 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 people wanted to go out and meet others and uh, and and yeah it was a it was a good success we're definitely planning to to do it again uh, next year so i'm excited to make it yeah, even a little bit bigger than the last time but all virtual still not in virtual person. still always virtual yeah, yeah we'll keep it virtual yeah no, I think that's it brings more people in because they don't have to travel. So there's not as much cost to it that doesn't you can work into your regular day. So I think people are getting accustomed to those virtual conferences. Although David will tell you that he really prefers to be in person and he prefers when he's speaking in person. I don't do a lot of yeah. speaking, but he does. What do you think? Yeah, there's no question. There's value to being face to face with people. Um, just got back from the Ohio staffing conference and loved it. But Jan, that's- what I like that you really did is I heard everybody by last fall, I'm sick of virtual conferences. I don't want any more. They don't work. Mm-hmm. I think you might beg to differ. So yeah. how, you know, was this done as a, as a way to build your brand? Was this done as, as marketing for lead gen? You know, what was the, what was the why behind the conference and did it work? Mm-hmm. Yeah. So um, for us, the, the, um, the big question mark was, okay, how can we actually not uh, promote the brand too much? How can we make it a little bit neutral, uh, right? So that's why we did not call it the, you know, Gustav or Canada Lee user conference or something like that. We really tried to make it uh, for the content. And I think that was the, the main driver. And I think, you know, the, the part of that is for us getting to know people in, in the industry. So I think this was a fantastic exercise for me and my team to get to know a lot of people, staffing owners, staffing operators, uh, people that are providing services in the industry and learn from them. Uh, you know, a lot of the conversations that we had at the conference helped us to actually incorporate feature requests and and, and parts of the new candidate product uh, that, that is live right now. Um, and, uh, and obviously, a yeah, part of it is a way for us to establish trust and brand, right? So, you know, as a small startup uh, starting out, it's usually hard to break through the, you know, the noise and breakthrough to win new customers or win new relationships and creating trust and building that with a conference like that and with uh, credible speakers and with, with, with credible people around yourself is, is usually very helpful. Yeah. Was it difficult to get speakers signed on in the beginning when they had an event they had never heard of from an organization they very likely had never heard of? It was very helpful uh, for me to over the last two and a half or three years, mingle at almost every staffing conference in the US, uh, including VMSA, to get to know a lot of people. And that network helped for sure to bring in the first speakers, uh, which brought in more speakers and and others followed after that. Uh, Our investors network helped uh, for sure. We have a couple of people that are on uh, on our investors board uh, that, that we're also speakers or advisors of our company. Um, uh, but yeah, I was actually surprised um, that the speakers that joined or ma- majority of the speakers that joined were really excited about it. You know, nobody complained and, and, and everybody was happy to be part of it. But I think the, the, the reason for that was also that we were not pushing it to make money with the conference or to, you know, uh, you know just uh, cash in on, on sponsors or cash in on tickets. It was a free conference with no sponsors and the, 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 the main reason for it was just creating good content. And I think good content always drives the, the audience. I agree hundred percent. That's uh, mm-hmm. that's sort of been our model for 25 years is give away yeah. ideas. 
So uh, hats off to you and your team. I, I just, again, so impressed with how you built this. What lessons did you learn this year that will impact next year? Uh, the conference, you mean? Yes. Um, so I think uh, yeah, there, was a, there was a few things, obviously, like uh, small details around how to uh, create the events uh, in, in, in terms of preparation, in terms of preparing speakers, in terms of also picking topics. So there was ton, tons of learnings uh, uh, that we've made that I think we'll uh, do differently. Um, but the, the main thing was also... Um, making it available to more people. Uh, so we specifically targeted North American, um, uh, you know, um, sort of staffing owners, operators and staffing professionals. So the majority of the audience was really from, from North America. Um, next year, we will have a four day event uh, across the world. Uh, it will basically go 24 seven. You can join a session at any time uh, to cover uh almost all continents and all time zones uh, and we'll have a little bit over 200 speakers uh, and um, and this will be a, a little bit of a bigger event with more content also for a more international audience with specific content for our other locations right so for example uh, we had requests for people that were very, very interested in the staffing market in india or in europe uh, which the content last year did not cover at all it was um very broad or sometimes even very focused on the US. Uh, and that's something that we're going to change. That was definitely a, a big learning. Um, yeah, and the, uh, the other one was um, actually not to spend any marketing uh, dollars. We tried spending uh, marketing dollars on ads and, and on LinkedIn. And this was the, actually the, 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 the worst performing, um, you know, uh, that, that we had uh, across the entire uh, other, you know, uh, segments that we did in terms of like organic signups or, or just people referring the, uh, the, the conference to others. Uh, so I think this was also good learning. So if somebody, you know, is looking to build uh, something similar, you, you can always reach out to us. My, 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 my uh, teammate Jacob has actually uh, created a playbook for, for that conference. Um, we'll just give it away. So if people are interested in learning how we did it, uh, just ping us and we'll share you the Notion page so you can re read upon it there. Yeah. Awesome. I'm sure you're going to be hearing from a lot of people on that. Yeah. <laughs> that was great. I, I think it's interesting that the marketing dollars, the spend didn't give you um, anywhere near what the referrals did, which I, I guess makes sense, but especially from something that was brand new. Well, for everybody listening, yeah. you know, one of the things that I saw that you did that I thought was absolutely brilliant is the incorporation of tagging the speakers and featuring the people who are attending in your own marketing and getting getting the people attending to become evangelists for the event. I, that was beyond brilliant because their organic reach, it mm -hmm. may not be as great as if paid reach, but it's trusted reach. So trusted the reach, people yeah. they're seeing by sharing your content now are like, oh, Vicky's going to this. Wow, this looks interesting. I'm going to check it out as opposed to if it just shows up in my newsfeed, it doesn't have that same kind of impact as when a friend's talking about it. So yeah, correct. Really and I think that, that that was the that was a big learning for us and uh, a big um um you know, a big driver, I would say. So, you know, creating good content and then having people to reshare that or be 
interested and proud actually that they can join that conference and put them into the forefront um, was a big um, it was a big driver uh, to 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 bring in their peers and their colleagues from their teams and and you know like people started talking about it and that was interesting to see so I think it was a really good actually a really good uh, marketing marketing exercise we haven't uh, been able to replicate this for for our you know for candidately for any other SaaS products yet so we actually have to have to have to think through that a little bit. <laughs> Well, well I, you, you've got a you've got a Harvard Business School case study on the world staffing summit uh, quality <laughs> results. So <laughs> sure, there's ways you can leverage it. But let's let's bring it back to candidately. So we talked a little bit about what the product is and does. Um, but you know, as you look forward in the industry, how do you how does that pro- will that product play into the way staffing companies operate in the years ahead? Sure. So I think there's two. Two things that I've seen in the next, I would say, five to seven to ten years in in staffing, and one is obviously technology. So you'll see a staffing company uh, having much much more technology around their processes than they had before. It already started a couple of years back with everybody talking about digital transformation, but I think obviously COVID has accelerated that, and literally every staffing owner and operator is now looking at. What new tools can I bring in? What processes can I automate? Uh, what can I do better uh, in terms of you know perhaps hiring one less employee and buying one more SaaS tool that will help me to grow my business? Mm-hmm. Um, that will drive the next couple of years, and you see it across the board with smaller and larger firms. And I think that's necessary because um, otherwise, the firms that are not embracing any technological change or using legacy ATS or CRM systems will, I think, be left behind. Um, you will see brand uh, being super important um, on on the staffing side, not only for client attraction but for candidate attraction. Um, you know the the generation that is now moving into the workforce throughout COVID and the last couple of years is used to a much much different um, user experience when it comes to interacting with digital tools than um, than it was before. Mm-hmm. You know, you're used to the Uber, to the DoorDash app, to the Instacart app, to, uh, you know, other apps that or other technologies that you interact with on a daily basis. But the staffing company that you interact with, it has pretty much, a, you know, very old school request form or maybe, you know, a, a phone number that you have to call or something like that, which is which is essentially not the user experience that a candidate would expect, I would think. So the how a staffing company will create their brand. And you obviously don't have to create, you know, and replicate the Airbnb type of brand, but you should move towards that direction. I think there's a few companies that are doing a really great job when you look at the mom project or when you look at uh, other firms that are vertical, verticalized and very focused on a specific vertical, but also have a really fantastic brand to attract both candidates. And obviously on the other hand side, attract also um, clients. Um, so I think this will be a big driver. And, um, and the third driver, this is not specifically, um, for staff, like, you know, something that a staffing owner can maybe influence uh, that much, but the market is really moving towards consolidation a lot. So I mm-hmm. hear over the last year, a lot of staffing firms, you know, um, being acquired and being put together uh, under under one brands, and you can see this obviously in other industries like real estate. And I think this is going to be uh, a, a trending topic over the next couple of years in staffing as well, as more and more technology talent technology platforms are moving into the market. They have a hard time selling to the same buyers that staffing agencies are already selling to. So there will be a lot of acquisitions of 
staffing companies being acquired by larger technology companies and bundled into uh, you know service slash technology companies that will be uh, you know much bigger and much more powerful uh, than individual players. I'm not saying that there will you know only be five staffing firms out there, but I'm just saying that you know the there's there's hundreds of thousands of recruiters and and individual staffing firms that will essentially be consolidated a little bit. But on the other hand side, what I also see is a big trend. It's just as a staffing owner today, when you start your firm or you started your firm one or two years ago, or you start today, you have a much easier time. You just need a laptop and uh, you need your and a simple ATS, a website. You can have your employer of record and payroll provider that can place candidates all over the world. And you don't have to think locally. You can suddenly work with employers all over the world, with candidates all over the world, with remote work being obviously um, very much uh, in, in, in the middle of our lives. So yeah, staffing company in the future will look much different uh, than it was in the last couple of years. And I think the majority will be driven by technology brand and and obviously remote work enabling staffing recruiting companies uh, uh, to, to have much, much more opportunities in the world as well. Do you see the technology as leveling the playing field with the bigger companies or making it more difficult to compete because so many companies will have a platform like candidately that looks great, but now my top five competitors, my top 10 competitors have the same platform. Now creating my brand becomes harder, not easier. Uh, I think it will, it will be uh, a decision on do I verticalize and do I be very, am I very specialized in something or do I still remain a generalist um, uh, or generalist? Uh, um, and, uh, I think that's going to be crucial when you look at some staffing firms or talent platforms out there that are really doing a great job. They are highly verticalized in a certain segment and they are only doing that. And that makes them stand out both on client and candidate attraction and acquisition. Uh, and I think this is going to be, this is going to be key. So um, yeah, a staffing company will definitely have uh, you know, a level playing field in terms of technology. There will be better technology coming into the market, uh, better ATSs, better CRMs, better automations, uh, products like Candidately that will help with you know, client attraction and client interaction. But uh, you will also see the, 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 the brand changing and the, and the focus changing specifically for, comp- for staffing companies that uh, are started now now versus the ones that are already around for 20 years. So maybe some of those will, uh, the staffing owners that are around for 25, 20, you know, 30 years already running their businesses, they may be going to sell actually to some of the younger players uh, and, and, and hand over the, the, the client base and, 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 and retire. Uh, I think uh, last year definitely accelerated that. Yeah, that was yeah. natural progression as well. And yeah. Uh, and yeah. provides that legacy they're probably looking for. Yeah. growth into a new industry and globalization. I think the technology, like you mentioned, is allows us to open up and staff throughout the world. And if you're specializing in what you're doing, and then you can be the specialist in a global market, it's pretty much open-ended. Yeah, I agree. I agree. David, right. you- oh, do you have a question there, Vicky? No, no, go ahead. Well, I'm just... I got, I kind of, we're, we're reaching the end, but I've, one of my, my final question is you entered this industry not that long ago. You've gained a ton of experience. Um, you still probably, relatively speaking, have the 
the newcomer's perspective to the industry compared to a lot of the people you're selling to. So what have been some of the surprises you've had as you're learning about the staffing industry? Um, Good question. Um, I think the not surprise, but something that is, that is actually pretty, very positive Uh, staffing owners or staffing operators are very open to, uh, to speak to somebody like, us like with a new technology so uh you know compared i think to other industries people are very interested to learn uh, about new things that are coming up and 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 i appreciate that because we you know it's easy for for a young startup it's usually hard to you know enter the market and find the first customers and and talk to people and specifically you know when you are not not from the us you have an accent you you have to you know break through and 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 speak to the uh to to the owners where you know maybe you feel like or they feel like you know you're somebody new to the market and you don't know your thing and 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 all that but i feel like you know the the industry overall is 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 very um, very nice and, and accepting new things. Uh, that's uh, that's not surprising, but that's that's a good thing. Um, you know, um, it's a good question. I don't, I, I, nothing actually. Yeah, there's oh, <laughs> there's a lot of things that surprise me, but I'm not sure if this is uh, this is true to other other SaaS you know products or SaaS industries or like you know SaaS founders where people have just so weird requests when it comes to technology. They feel like you know. Every every request that they have needs to be solved right away, and usually those are super weird things that they want to have built, and they feel like they and they only want to pay like fifteen dollars for it or something like that. So it's it's you uh, get fifteen dollars for that. <laughs> Most of <laughs> for free. It's it's just yeah, it's 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 you know some people understand it already very well, but some are just it surprises me. You know you know what what the ideas people sometimes have about what this technology should or could ha- could do or like should do right away uh, and uh, and should actually cost less so yeah there's uh, there's definitely still i think some some learning in the market overall to do in terms of you know actually spending some more money on tech versus like being being you know sa- saving money uh, and and maybe investing in other things you can see a big difference you know to for example SaaS startups like us our SaaS spend i think we work uh, probably with 45, 50 other SaaS tools that we use on a daily basis. Uh, and, and for us, you know, spending new te- technology dollars on a daily basis, if it makes sense and automates things is, is basically a no brainer. There is not a lot of discussions about that. I feel like within staffing and recruiting firms, there is still a lot of, you know, thinking and discuss discussions around, should we use this? Should we try this out? I think staffing owners could be much more open to just try out technology and see if it works for them. And actually, also in, invest uh, more into uh, in, into new technology because I think that will definitely drive their you know innovation and innovation curve further. Yeah, I think there's both an excitement and a fear about new technology. Like I, I'm excited like a kid in a candy store for all the things it could do, but then there's the fear. Well, I'm adding on a new recurring expense, and then I've got to get my people to adopt the technology. Yeah. And you know, yes, it sounds great when you look at it, but will it really solve the problem that it's Probably. intended to do? And I, and then the other thing is, there's a lot of point solutions. Well, I buy yeah. this product to do this one thing. I got to buy that product to do this one thing. I got to buy that product. And I'm now creating all these new data silos that the products don't talk. Yeah. So it's, a, it's an interesting time. It's an exciting time yeah. to be in the industry. But uh, I understand for staffing company owners, it's a challenging time to pick challenging. the right tools. Yeah, I agree. So I think, yeah, the, 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 but there is, but yeah, that, that's true. There's, but there's a lot of people out there, I think. You guys help staffing owners really well with with 
with some of those decisions and other Maurice and, and Fuller and, and, and Lauren Jones. And there's a few others that are really helpful with, with those things. So I would, if I'm a staff, I'm going to really recommend to, uh, to, to talk to you and, and, and others to, to learn about those technologies and, and also implement them. Well, thank you. Yeah. yeah thanks. There's one other lesson I, just, I almost forgot to ask. And um, Vicky, I don't think you're aware of this, but Jan has built a really interesting global team. So, John, tell everybody about where your people work. And for, for, for staffing companies thinking about growing their own organizations, I mean, you instantly thought globally. And I think that's tough for a lot of business owners to think that way when they're used to thinking micro-locally. So tell a little bit about your team structure and how you built your team. Sure. Um, so for us, it was a very clear decision uh, already very, very, very early on to be a remote team. So already in 2017, uh, we were fully remote, uh, and, um, and how we've built our team is we hire remote ever ev everywhere. So like we we don't look at location. Obviously, we look at time zone sometimes if it makes sense for the team to uh, to 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 have some you know some time together working as well, right? So we try to make sure that the time zones align a little bit, um, or at least there is an overlap. Um, but otherwise, our team is uh, distributed all over the world. So we have people in Poland, in um, obviously in Austria, in the US, in Venezuela, in, uh, in Zimbabwe, in Africa, actually, in, in South Africa. Uh, so yeah, we are a, a pretty pretty global team, uh, and and it's exciting. It's and it's and it's also you know um, something that a lot of companies should embrace because talent you know is everywhere, and and you can hire a good person everywhere in the world. And now technology and also um, services like um, international payroll makes that super easy. I remember that a couple of years ago, we were still, when we tried to hire a person in Czech Republic or other countries, you know, setting up our own sub entity there and doing all of the payroll stuff ourselves. And it was just a very tedious process. Uh, these days you have employer of record companies and they have been around already as, but the, just how to interact with them and how easy it has become uh, is, is, is just mind blowing right now. So you know, I would, I would, I would definitely not shy away from from just uh, using those companies and and hiring an international team. It just brings a lot of breeze to to the organization and thinks you also uh, helps you to think outside of the box and helps you to think more internationally. Yeah, yeah it yeah. sounds like even even in your own services, thinking about the World Staffing Summit, like okay, we need to be more global. We need content because people in India are complaining we don't have content that's for them. But now, if you think yeah. about you know the U.S. market is very big but it is only a fraction of the global market. And for yeah. staffing companies in the US, you know, generally speaking, most of them aren't thinking about servicing outside of the US, but what kinds of yeah. opportunities are there going the other way, either sourcing talent for their clients in or getting US workers who might be interested in working remotely or working in person in other places. Other places, correct, yeah. I think uh, that opens up now you know, the, the, the entire world to, uh, you know, local staffing companies that previously maybe had only thought, okay, we can service our, our local market and local clients. And now, you know, this, this has changed. So I'm actually super excited to see the next couple of years in, in the market and what's going to happen. We are too. Very excited to see it. Yeah. All right. Shall we wrap it up? I think so. Um, so Jan, thank you very much for coming on here. But last, last thing everyone's going to want to know is, where can they learn more about Candidately? Yes, you can uh, visit candidate.ly. 
uh, or you can uh, ping me on my LinkedIn. Uh, I guess you guys will also post uh, post those links uh, in in uh, in the recordings. Uh, we'll host it also on our on our website, so you can find everything on World Staffing Summit or worlds uh, worldstaffingsummit.com or candidate.ly or uh, my LinkedIn under Jan Yitlinski. Yeah. Fantastic. Well, thank you so much. Really appreciate the time. Uh, great insights on not just the world of technology, but where the world of staffing can go. I really did like your decision that the purpose of technology is to augment, not replace the relationship building of the recruiter. So great lessons for everybody listening. Thank you very much. Thank you, David. Thank you, Vicky, for having me. It was a pleasure. Thanks. Well, that was fun. Uh, I think that's the first technology-focused company we've talked to so far on the podcast. Really fun to talk to somebody who's just looks at our industry differently. Um, Vicky, what you know? I think that was the first time you've really seen in any depth the the candidately. What did you think about the product, the concept Jan was talking about? Oh, I love the product. I love the idea and the concept behind it, and the fact that um, they're not trying to pull the people out of the people business. I know we talk about that all the time. This is a people business, but adding technology to augment the recruiter's job to automate some of that work to improve the candidate's experience, I guess, and the client's experience. I think that is where this industry needs to head um, or we're not going to be an industry. So I really, I really appreciated that part of it specifically. Yeah. I really like that. He talked about, you know, the, the, not just the software purpose, but the, the key to success for staffing companies was, you know, improving tech around your process. So we've heard so much about automate, 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 but this is, you know, how does the technology enhance process? And then he talked about its brand and increasing alignment between how staffing companies operate and the experience the client and the candidates really want. And, you know, we've got kids that are, you know, basically mobile natives. They live in that world and the experience they want dealing with any brand, not a staffing company, but any company, uh, it's not human first, it's mobile first, it's technology first. So I really like that. Can you imagine our kids pick up a phone to make a phone call? They won't call us. We've tried. <laughs> I I also, you know, really love the experience share about the World Staffing Summit and how amazing that was. Um, really looking to push, not not to push it to make money, but to actually provide really great content to the industry and how successful that is. We've been doing that for 25 years, right? That is the model, the business that we have. And to see somebody else do it and do it successfully is just so great to see. Yeah, it's the old adage, you know, you, you don't have to make cold calls if you build a great brand. And I like when Jan said it was the purpose of the conference was establishing trust for them and getting recognition for their their brand, Gustav. Prior to that conference, who had heard of Gustav? Maybe if you were at the VMSA conference and you met him, but other than that, if they had, you know, if they had hired people in traditional sales roles pick up the phone and cold call, they wouldn't have made nearly the impact, but to reach 12,000 people in the staffing industry, 5,000 conference registrants, 2,500 to show up. And they did that all in a few months time coming from nothing. Very impressive. Mm-hmm. What'd you think about their approach to how they're structuring their team? 
Well, I do think that's the way of the world right now. You have to be thinking remote, remote first. Um, I know we talk a bit about hybrid models and maybe that will be, that will work, but globalization of the industry and, you know, being able to hire the best person in the world that fits your company culture in your need for that, that is it's a huge competitive advantage. And if you're only thinking, I'm going to find the best person that lives right here in Buffalo, New York. Well, that's pretty short-sighted, right? That best Especially if you're not from Buffalo. <laughs> well, you know what I mean? <laughs> no, I couldn't agree more. I, I think, you know, if, if I'm a small to mid-sized staffing company, that's somewhat exciting and probably more terrifying. Like how do I work with my normal local clients globally? How do I rec- recruit recruiters around the world. Now, maybe I do that simply. I I use an offshore company to help me with sourcing. That's an easy start. But then how do I start having recruiters? Now I could be open 24-7 by having people all around the world. And how do I help my clients source talent globally? Because that's something even, Jan's a tiny business and he can recruit people. What did he say? Venezuela and Zimbabwe and South Africa and Poland and Vienna. Mm -hmm. He's doing it. So any company can do that, but the staffing company has the opportunity to be that talent connector, but it's a different business model. It's a new business model, huge opportunity. And you said it's the wave of the future. I think it's extending the business model. I don't really think it's new. There are, there'll be challenges, but it is what the staffing industry does best. That match, that matching part. And it's just thinking a little bit broader. One other thing that I love that he did, and this is where sometimes the secret to success lies. He said, when he talked about going into the BMS world, he said, I naively went into the market. (laughs) Knowledge can sometimes be good. And sometimes it's an Achilles heel. You know, if you think about where we are in life, you know, would you go back today and start Haley marketing again? No, we'd be terrified. We know now we know everything that could have gone wrong because at some point in our career, it did. But that naivete sometimes allows you to have a fresh perspective to look past what others see as pitfalls and to develop entirely new solutions. And here's a guy who came out of being a chef to a staffing firm owner, to being a technology company, to looking to change an industry all in a matter of five years. Well, I think that also goes to what he was talking about with the, um, consolidation of the industry and the newer staffing companies really probably taking over some of the older staffing companies and bringing new technology and a new, uh, fresher perspective, right? If you, once you've been in an industry for quite a while, it's hard to have a fresh perspective and it's great to bring in those other partners that are younger and that see something new. Oh, I'm looking at the mirror here. (laughs) (laughs) Thank God we have both have now the face made for radio. So we're fine. (laughs) Well, I don't know what fresh perspective we're bringing, but we have a great team for that, I guess. (laughs) So I know you had to laugh when Jan talked about surprises and he talked about buyer expectations versus reality. And so uh, in, in all seriousness, though, as companies look to adopt technology, a lot of times they come in saying, I have to buy the technology and make the technology adapt to my business. Other companies go, well, I have to look at the technology and adapt my business to the technology. What should staffing owners think about when it comes to buying tech? 
It's, it's a different world right now because everything is SaaS, right? Software as a service. And many of us grew up in the time where you had to put a server in your office and you had to have your own instance of the software. And then that software could be customized to be exactly what we wanted. That's not the way the world works anymore. A SaaS product can be customized within the limits of the software, but you're not going to get anybody that's doing SaaS and is going to create a new instance for you and run two different instances because the cost of that is just outrageous. So in some instances, you need to look at your processes and say, is this the best process available? Can I automate this process? And in other instances, you're going to say, this SaaS software works this way and I can adjust my process to fit with that. So it's going to be a little of both, but you also need to be really aware of the silos of business because if you had, and I think you mentioned a number like 45 to 50 SaaS products, now you got to get them all to talk. And I think that's the biggest challenge right now. Yeah, it absolutely is. So there's, there's no quick, easy answers, but I think for anybody listening, it's finding the right products based on where are the biggest gaps in your business? Where are the biggest process gaps? Where are the biggest loss of time? Where do, you, where do your people struggle the most? And now can I find solutions to supercharge the employee through automation, through providing better access to data, through getting systems to talk to one another? I think that is one thing that's happening through programs like Zapier. You can get more and more software that starts to talk, but your every business is going to be putting together these multiple software products, multiple SaaS products to make the best tech stack. Well, I think looking at your processes, and I think maybe Amy Bingham actually mentioned, really looking for those things that you're doing that are redundant. Uh, you're doing a lot of paper pushing. You're, you're moving data from one place to another place. You're doing, you have recruiters or other high-level people doing C&D tasks. Those are the low-hanging fruit. You need to automate that first. Yeah, absolutely. Well, I think that's a good place to wrap it up. Um, again, our thanks to Jan. Delinsky from Candidately and Gustav and the World Staffing Organization for joining us on today's show. If you enjoyed Secrets of Staffing Success, we'd love to have you leave us a review, uh, shoot us an email, tell us anything you'd like to talk about, recommendations for guests. We are always open to your feedback. Thank you very much for listening to today's show. Have a good day.